I'm joined in the studio by Wasama Dodja and Esmeralda Chopin from the Norn government organisation Friendship. The work of the NGO relates to Bangladesh, a country facing the most pressing challenges. It is the eighth most populous country in the world, with a population exceeding 163 million people in an area of 147 thousand square kilometres, making it one of the most densely populated countries in the world. Bangladesh is located on the Bay of Bengal. Most of the country is dominated by the fertile Ganges Delta, the largest river delta in the world. Now, this is a fertile land due to the flooding and the silt that is left behind, so there are many farming communities there. But most of this land is less than 12 metres above sea level, and it is now estimated that about 10% of its land would be flooded if the sea level were to rise by one metre. Wasama and Esmeralda, welcome. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Um, I've set the scene for our listeners, so tell us a little bit about your NGO and the work that you do. Well, you definitely set the scene very well. Uh, Bangladesh is where we operate since 2002. It was founded by Rona Khan, and uh, she had the idea to go and help and, and uh, help the population in the north of Bangladesh on the Brahmaputra, this very strong and wide um, uh, river uh, where they, the, the soil is very rich. But the problem is that with uh, many floods, the the islands tend to break and you lose your natural uh, habitat. So um, basically, she went there and helped the population with a hospital ship. That's how it's all started 20 years ago soon now. Um, Clearly, uh, what we realize is that uh, this population needed more than just health um, uh, help and uh, education, um, uh, helping them with climate change adaptation, and also empowering the communities to um, gain training and um, um, get access to finance was uh, was very important, as there was a, clearly a lack of uh, public services in these areas. So the the hospital ship basically goes around the islands. That was the initial. That was the initial thing that the NGO did. And exactly. Okay. Exactly. And was it was it a case of? Once you were there or once the organization was there, the other needs came to the fore as well? Yeah, clearly the needs are, it's a needs, but need-based organization. So basically um, the, 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 the realization of what was the life that was left there, the, the, the struggles they were having there, um, uh, you know, made us work with them. Um, you know, the solutions are really found by the local people. It's a... It's uh, we gather the grassroots knowledge mm-hmm. and basically mm-hmm. found the solution with the local population. But what I want to really highlight is the structure of the uh, NGO. We are a Bangladeshi NGO. It's Bangladeshi people helping Bangladeshi people. We are um, we have antennas in Europe. We're an international NGO as such because of these antennas. But in Europe, we raise funds. We help financially, but also with non-financial support, uh, with expertise in, in some field areas. But truly, we are six employees in Europe, and I have 3,200 colleagues in Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. Two-thirds of them are actual beneficiaries from the islands. It's the teacher we train there, it's the Medicaid, it's the uh, parasolar technician, it's the technician for the tube wells, it's the carpenter, etc., etc., the paralegal. So really, um, we, we started working there, we trained the people there, and we grow with them. 
So in Europe, really, the, the, the people who are, who are working in Europe are really working for fundraising and raising the profile of the organisation and looking at other ways that organisations probably in Europe can help. Yes. Right. Yes. When you say uh, the people in Bangladesh, you, you are you're doing training courses and in what way has it has it changed just from that hospital ship? Uh, well, basically, the aim is that these communities become uh, autonomous, so that basically they get um, uh, they get all the skills to help them grow. So uh, we have um, uh, training in terms of vocational training in training centers where we teach them, uh, we teach women, the most vulnerable mm-hmm. people there, uh, how to weave and mm-hmm. dye the products and, and print the products. So we have these uh, small vocational training centers that are uh, providing some work to these ladies. We have schools as well. Uh, we uh, train uh, the Medicaids, uh, the skilled birth uh, attendant. We train uh, the, so the, the teachers. We train uh, the uh, technicians for the, for, the so, for the solar panels. Uh-huh. We train uh, the technicians for the tube wells. Um, we have all of these people we, we're training. I think one of the things that you also need to realize in the areas that we work in mm-hmm. is how different it is from what we're used to seeing here in Europe. You have, you are in the middle of a river which is about 25 to 30 kilometers wide. So the access to all of this and the way you have to think about how you deliver anything uh, to those areas is something which is very, very different. And as my colleague talked about uh, training for a lot of the things, you you would imagine that these skills can be brought in from the mainland, but they cannot be because these are very isolated islands and they are very far. And with the river, it might take up to three to six hours to reach one of these. Mm. So what we do is we start empowering the people on these islands they we train them we help facilitate the training for them to grow themselves to so uh, we you know introducing uh, solar solar panels and solar technology does change lives but the maintenance of that is not feasible because of the distance from the mainland Mm -hmm. so we need to train the people from who are from the island and that goes with almost every single one of the steps that we've taken in the work because we start with the ground level it is the people who are empowering themselves we are just there helping them you know stand on their feet and let's look at a little bit more at the luxembourg connection then so you know, obviously fundraising but there's a very specific reason that you're here today um there maybe people have already seen it because i think the the pop-up shop has been on the grand rue since february exactly exactly we're very lucky that we have a this uh, venue that is a uh, uh, offered to us uh, um, and that we can use until a new tenant for the venue is actually found, which uh, has given us uh, already three months of exposure uh, to yeah a, a, a great street because mm. we are right in the center of uh, where things happen, you know, in, in, in Grand Rue. And uh, we've got these big windows. We can, mm. We're able to display all the colorful items that our uh, women, our tailors and our weavers are, are, are doing back in Bangladesh. And this, I must say, has been attracting quite a, a, a lot of uh, public who didn't know us before. Right. So it's a fantastic window, both for these products 
and also for uh, for the NGO because we can obviously talk about what the NGO is doing. Is doing. Tell me a little bit about the, some of the exhibitions because I, I, I love art and I love photography and uh, I love crafts as well. So there is um, a phot- photographic exhibition, I think, as part of it. Uh, yes. So, so we've got a very special uh, exhibition going on. Um, we have a, f- a photography exhibition by Yen Atus Patron during the time that he was there in Bangladesh. Uh, Yen and us uh, here in Friendship, we've worked on a few documentaries together and we worked very closely uh, with one of the ones we had done for the COP21. Um, it was a very strong climate uh, documentary on climate adaptation and climate changes in a place like Bangladesh. So we have some wonderful scenes of a rural Bangladesh that mm-hmm. you usually don't get to see mm-hmm. from the point of view of probably one of the best eyes in the sky that you could ever ever have from someone very very special so we have the Ian's exhibition mm. we're also having uh, a very special exhibition on the boats of Bangladesh the traditional the traditional <laughs> river and sea boats uh, this is actually not the first time these boats have been here uh, the boats first arrived in Luxembourg in 2010 there was an exhibition that we had on the boats of Bengal um, at Newminster Abbey. Mm-hmm. And that exhibition was on for about two months and uh, we brought in a lot of details. But now we can actually bring the boats back and showcase them again. And these boats, I would say they're very unique because they are not models as we traditionally know them to be, but they are rep- we make them as replicas because they are made in the using the same technique as the bigger boats by the same carpenters who make them so each one of them ends up as a blueprint for the original boats that you have and that in itself is all obviously also a way of training and retaining a craft that would otherwise be lost i guess absolutely um the boats in bangladesh the wooden boats in bangladesh they have been they it was never a anything that was written down. Mm-hmm. It was a tradition passed down uh, orally from master to, uh, to, st- uh, to student or to mm-hmm. son. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last 25 years, we've seen almost 90 to 95 percent of the boats of, of the wooden boats of Bangladesh completely disappear. So what we did in Friendship is we realized this in the early 90s and uh, sorry, into the late 90s and the early 2000s. We came to this realization that these boats, these master craftsmen who hold a tradition of over 3000 years, they are on the verge of disappearing. Mm -hmm. So in recognition, uh, in recognizing this, we knew that we had to do something. And so we started off a part of Friendship, which is the cultural preservation project uh, sector. And we started gathering some of the last master carpenters from all over the country in order to preserve their skills in these replicas. So Friendship, it sounds very much as if you're responding as you see needs. You're seeing also opportunities. And and that's how you operate. Would that be accurate? That's completely that's completely accurate. It's really a a needs based uh, uh, NGO, and we we do respond to the needs as they as they appear. But they do come as a you know the 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 words for us is to provide them is to help them grow uh, and provide a, a 
dignity, opportunities mm-hmm. and hope. Mm-hmm. And these really these keywords are are, are our are driving uh, uh, driving mottos. Uh, we basically um, look at at these uh, uh, training as an opportunity for these people to stand on their feet and mm-hmm. and, and uh, it's a very resilient population. That's also we have so much to learn from from mm-hmm. them and mm-hmm. um, because you know they they face floods every single mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. every single year they see their their houses uh, uh, destroyed so it's it's really a place where you learn a lot yeah i mean i i guess that is you know the flood and the the ebb and flood of the of the river was always part of uh, their life and why exactly. why they're actually on that area is the fertile land but i guess climate change is is creating problems yeah, flood has been a part of life, you know, mm. in all of Bengal. It's a mm-hmm. it's a deltaic plain, as you yeah. said, and living in a deltaic plain, it is a part of life. But what it is is the type of flood and the frequency that mm-hmm. is changing now. Mm-hmm. Not just in the northern parts where where friendship works, but all over the country. Initially, the floods used to come in at a specific time, in slight variation of height and strength. But recently, what we've been seeing more and more is floods coming in twice, sometimes three times a year. So if you are on an island or even next to the river and your expectation is that flood will come in once, we will replant and then we will start off again. Mm. But as soon as you plant, the floods come in. They take away everything. And for people who are already living on the line, Mm -hmm. The recovery is not exactly the same. The ta- uh, so you lose that one step and that can destroy you completely. I I, um, I, I mentioned off air, but I might as well mention on air as well, Wasama. Um, I saw a, a TV programme just a few weeks ago. This is a very serendipitous meeting today because um, this friendship um, NGO has popped into my life a number of times over a number of years. It's quite strange. So a friend of mine, um, she was a medical doctor and the year she graduated, um, she went on the boat uh for a year as as a doc, as a young doctor as a young medic um, so that was the first time I'd heard about it then we had someone we started a book club with Ara City Radio and we had a very active member and he mentioned the foundation as well and then um, he's now in Glasgow I've since discovered it's your brother <laughs> but um, I texted him last maybe two weeks ago saying there's a programme on BBC TV about Bangladesh and it's mentioned in the Friendship NGO and uh, and uh, I said, there's a lady, Runa, talking. And he went, oh, <laughs> you know, that's my mum. And uh, <laughs> on this programme that I saw, what struck me was when you talk about people uh, losing their crops, one of the men that they interviewed, he'd lost his home. So, you know, so many times he'd had to move because they're on these tiny little islands. On average, these people on these islands, they move about 40, 50 times in their life. Right. And that's nothing okay. new. Yeah. Uh, the effect of climate change is uh, is a bit dicey. Yes, they have to move a few mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. Uh, because of the rapidity of the floods coming in. Now, these islands, they are alluvial islands. They are soft sand. So they have been forming and breaking right. throughout the time. It's now the frequency. Right. It is now the unpredictability mm-hmm. which is causing the issues rather than the fact. I mean, of course, moving even moving in a stable place like here in Europe, you move from one house to the mm-hmm. other, it is very difficult. But can you imagine having to run 
for mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, pick up your house and your entire house and move that. It is the frequency in which it's happening. Climate change, what it has brought in is this disruption to a pattern mm-hmm. that people were used to, that people were doing. And with the unpredictability is where the dangers really come in. Mm-hmm. So let's get back to um, let's get back to Luxembourg and the, the shop. And, and because I know listeners will be interested in what we're talking about and they can probably find out much, much more if they come visit you in the pop up store. Of course. Um, so why don't we just give make sure that they have the address and the times of opening and all that kind of thing so that they can come and visit you and support the NGO. Um by stopping past. So what is the actual address on Grand Rue? So you can find us on 33 Grand Rue. Mm-hmm. Okay, it used to be the old monopole. Uh, it's not so far from Oberweiss. Oberweiss, yeah. it's near uh, Oberweiss <laughs> and on the Roteplatz, I think as well. And Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so we are open uh, Tuesday to Saturday. Uh, so Tuesday to Friday from 11 till 6. And on Saturdays, we actually open from 10 till 6. Excellent. And so that's just round at the, 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 the square there where there's the fountain yes. with, the, um, with the sheep and the, <laughs> the, the musicians. Yeah. And, okay, so you're down that end. That's good to know. Yeah. And so you're open um, most days then. Yes, uh, except on Mondays Monday. and Sundays. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. uh, Yes, we were open and, and uh, you know through lunchtime or for your lunch break or. You so know, if people ca- come past, they shouldn't just browse; they should actually stop and talk to. Yes, to there's a there. lot of other people, curious people coming in. You uh-huh. know, it's kind of an unusual window yep. and a colourful one, and with a unusual. We have a rickshaw in the shop, nice. so it makes it a little bit, um, you know, uh, special. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, yeah. That's really good. And do you know? Um, have you any idea how long you'll be? How long you'll be there? No, we don't. You really are there no, until somebody else don't. wants to move in. Exactly. Wow. That's exactly. A, that's that's you know we're casual. We're okay with that. We're, we're we <laughs> are. flexible. It keeps <laughs> we are. it very exciting. It's nice. <laughs> it's really nice. Yeah. Anyway, um, really, really appreciate you coming in to to talk to us and you know our door is always open if there are other events and other things you've got going on please uh, don't hesitate come thank past you. and talk to us you know where we are now um i will come past and see you that's for sure so thank you for stopping by and i hope many of our listeners will come as well thank you good to have you thanks thank you bye-bye